What's up, guys? Welcome back for season three, episode six of Mike Drop Music Talk, the season finale. I have a very special guest with us today, Jay Maya. What's a nine-letter word for how you feel? There's a you and I together, but it's missing a few letters. Is it misguided or disguised as something real? It can't be unrequited. Hi, I'm so excited to be here and to be chatting with you. Dude, thank you so much for joining. We've already had like a fun little chat before. I'm so excited for this episode, guys. She is such an interesting person. (laughs) I don't even know where to start. She has such a cool background. So maybe let's just take it all the way from the top. Like, where are you from? All the basics. Of course. So I'm Jemaya. I was born and raised in the Bay Area, California, specifically in a town called San Mateo. I'm a San Mateo High School alum. Does anybody from San Mateo? San Mateo represent? I very much doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I basically fell into music at a very young age. My mom is an Indian classical singer, and my whole side of the family on my mom's side um, does South Indian classical music. So that's what I originally grew up learning. I think at an early age, I was just fascinated by the comparison between South Indian classical music and Western music. Mm -hmm. And I actually fell organically into jazz music. So that's where I originally got my, I guess, education in Western music. I signed up for jazz classes. I was singing all the classic jazz standards, you know. What's like a classic jazz song that you grew up singing? Oh my gosh, Summertime. Oh, like Summertime. That one? Exactly. And that was my go-to. I don't know what it was about that song. So you were like a little kid up there like summertime exactly (laughs) and very much feeling myself the entire time also you know people would be like okay like like, what have you been through (laughs) exactly I'm like talking about my mom and dad ex-husband exactly exactly (laughs) has like I have a glass of wine in one hand I'm thinking no um but it was it was it was an awesome foray I think into western music and then from there I stumbled upon like the pop greats and Mm -hmm. that was it for me I think that entire upbringing and musical journey I I love and I think I hope still comes out in my music at least a little bit but once I started listening to pop music I was like this is everything and I grew up just obsessed with big vocals so like the greats like Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston at the time Katy Perry was huge and I was a big Katy Perry fan of course um and then later on like Ariana Grande I loved Taylor Swift's songwriting and I think I was just hooked from that young age. Um, however, you know, however much I had these musical dreams and aspirations, I was on a different path when I was very young. And part of that um, was community pressure. Part of that was some familial encouragement that I internalized as my own aspiration. But Real. I basically, yeah, I don't know if that's relatable. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it's, I think a lot of people go through that where they're like, from a young age, like, you're going to be a doctor because your dad's a doctor. And then you're like, okay. But then you're in med school and you're like, wait, I I don't like blood or guts or any of this. Like, <laughs> I don't like this. blood. <laughs> I want to go to fashion school. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that story is something I relate to a lot because I spent a lot of my youth fighting for this dream. I decided at a young age I was going to go to Harvard Law School. And I was like 10. <laughs> like, but you did, right? Like, didn't you actually go to Harvard? I, so I applied to Harvard when I was in high school. I worked my butt off, pretty much sacrificed a lot, I think, to make these dreams happen. The first was to get into Harvard, which I did, 
when I was at Harvard, I was part of the legal debate team, the mock trial team, and that was a, a huge part of my time at Harvard. And I was very fixated on getting into Harvard Law School, and I actually ended up getting accepted to Harvard Law School when I was a junior. Wow. Um, so when I was 20 years old, which is pretty young <laughs> to get into law school. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, but that's how driven I was, I think. And it wasn't until I had actually gotten in. You know how sometimes you have these dreams? And you're like, until that dream comes true, this is my life, this is my purpose. For me, I had this moment where I accomplished that purpose that I had set for myself for, I don't know, 10 years. And I was like, I am not as happy as I thought I would be when this dream came true. So I think that's when I started to really look inward and like look at my life. And I was like, okay, well, I'm a senior in college. Once I graduate, I'm gonna go to law school. My life is like set for me. I will have very little say moving forward. So I thought, you know, why not give myself a little bit of time to like imagine that I'm in an alternate reality where this isn't a path that I will be taking. And then coincidentally, that's when the pandemic happened. It happened my Mm. senior spring. And the murmurings were already in my head, but you know, the pandemic solidified two things for me. One, like life is short and unpredictable. It was like a big reminder to me that if, you know, you don't follow your dreams as soon as you can, like there could be a a moment that comes where your dream is no longer possible to follow. Especially when you're on that academic track. It's like semester to semester. You only have like six weeks or so to collect your thoughts. You know, it's just on, you're on such a track. I felt exactly like that. It was mm-hmm. a trap. Like my freshman year to my senior year was a blur of, okay, well, get, you know, final exams, then travel for the summer to do an internship, travel within the semester. I was going to say, like, as a student at Harvard, is there any kind of, like, social life or is it everyone there is strictly, like, academia, like, I am here for a specific goal and it is, like, study, study, study? Because I know that's what it takes, obviously, to get there. But I wonder, like, when you're actually there, like, what was it like? I would say, it's a great question. I would say that there is a social life. Like I met my favorite people I think that I've met in life at Harvard. Um, People who are just so driven and have these really authentic passions that they are unabashedly following. Um, So that was really inspiring to me. I will say a bit, like my senior year was really hard for me because I had kept telling myself, okay, I'm not, I don't have much of a social life, right? I didn't have nearly as much of a social life as I wanted. I wasn't enjoying college as much as I thought I would because I was so driven. I started studying for the LSAT when I was a freshman. Yeah. You know, that I, that was my life. I was like, I'm going to apply when I'm a junior to Harvard Law School. And then I will celebrate. If I get into Harvard Law School my senior year, I will celebrate because I would get in before my senior year. And then the pandemic happened. So it was such a big slap in the face of reality. It was a reality check. It was like, you cannot procrastinate you're enjoying yeah exactly that's real that's very real and I I think exactly what you're saying too like I'll be happy when and it's like you could have been happy all along I think that that is so accurate that phrase I'll be happy when I think is the detriment of so many people's happiness like I can relate to that so much and it took me owning my path and having that internal reflection to realize I will only be happy in my life when I get to be creative. Because all throughout college, the only thing that really got me through those difficult years was songwriting. And at the time, I never expected a single person in my life to ever 
read anything or hear anything that I wrote. I was writing fully for myself. I would go to like debate practice until midnight. And then I would go into like the dorm in my, or to the basement practice room in my college dorm and write songs for two hours until 2 a.m. for myself as like a form of therapy. So you never performed, like it was like a hidden talent. It was a hidden talent. My songwriting, no one in my life knew that I wrote songs. And very intentionally because I had this certain perception, both of myself, but I think others had this perception of me that I was very driven to go to law school. And that I was a specific type of person, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't think that I had room to be creative. You're like, I'm not an artist. I'm a lawyer. I'm an academic. I have, yeah. I thought no one would care. I thought if I shared my songs with people, people would say, like, okay, well, that's fine and dandy. So how did you, like, make all of this progress? Like, in yourself, (laughs) but, like, also professionally. Like, you must have had a moment where you, like, broke through and were like, fuck it. Like, I'm going to do it. I think it was the pandemic. Yeah. I, I went home for the pandemic. I didn't get my senior spring, which, mm. of course, in the grander scheme of things, like, I was one of the lucky ones, I think. Yeah. Um, but what we were saying that's earlier... That's still sad. You know, like, that's <laughs> valid. Like, especially for Harvard, you know, you want that moment where you walk across, you're like, I did it. And you probably... Did you ever get that? Did you... You didn't get, like, a graduation, right? I didn't get it until this year. They had us like, back yeah. on campus. And at this point, you're like, dude, <laughs> I, I'm a fucking pop star. I don't care anymore. But, like, thanks. <laughs> That's very kind. Yeah. But it was lovely to go back on campus. But what I will say is in 2020, I didn't get that moment. Yeah. And it was such a, again, like a reality check for me. It's like, no, you can't, like, life is so unpredictable. You can't expect things to happen just because they were set even in motion to happen. So... I think coming home from the pandemic, being like, okay, I'm going to be in my house for the foreseeable future with my family. What's something I can do? Like, why not use this time? Like, almost, I mean, obviously, I'm not, the the pandemic was awful for so many reasons. But for me, it was the first time in my life that the track stopped. And I got a, like, moment to reflect and look back. And, like, like we were talking about earlier, like, time paused, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, why don't I just start posting things on TikTok? The worst case scenario is that no one will see it. it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's like how my life is exactly right now. So I decided to start posting under a different name. So that's J Maya. <laughs> no, wait, and what is J Maya? Like what's the significance? I picked it in a day and honestly it's so funny to me. No um, way. And now you're like, I guess is who I am forever exactly. now. <laughs> like I released my first song under J Maya and then I was like, okay, well, I guess no turning back. But I'm actually really happy. I, I always wanted to name my daughter, my first daughter Maya. Mm-hmm. And so I've stolen it now for myself. <laughs> it's your own personal baby. It's, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um mm-hmm. Maya in Sanskrit in sorry Maya in Sanskrit means magic and I just have always been really drawn to that concept there's a concept in Hinduism that um you know magic exists around us in a certain capacity and I just always have loved that and it's been a real like hope that I've clung to and so I thought I want my name to both to do two things I wanted to celebrate my Indian identity Mm -hmm. and I also want it to kind of signify what music means to me it's like an escape um, and so that's how I picked J Maya. J obviously because my name is Jenny. I don't know if many people know that, but my my name real name exactly <laughs> is Jenny. So I was like, okay, I'll keep that in there. And um, you know, once I started releasing or I guess posting TikTok demos under the name J Maya, um, I got I got very lucky. One of my songs called Achilles Heel went viral. I just wanna walk on these needles. I wanna kill this Achilles heel. Why not just release this independently? So I did very soon after it went viral. 
And that kind of set this whole train into That's motion. Pretty, wait, so that was the first song you ever shared? It was not, actually. It was the first that I shared that went that viral. That went crazy. Yeah, because yeah, I was actually listening to it on Spotify <laughs> this morning. I think it's up to like 12 million Play. Right? Isn't like, that the wildest thing? I wake up every morning and check my Spotify, and every time I see that, I'm like, that is so wild. Because yeah. I remember I wrote that entire song in my bedroom, like, during the pandemic. And, <laughs> and you obviously didn't record it, like, in a studio, did you? I actually, I, I worked with a producer. Okay, because um, I was going to say, that's, like, insane. If you just, like, <laughs> just bedroom did that. that one. <laughs> um, no, I, wor- I worked with an amazing producer to kind of bring the sonics of it to life, but the melody... The lyrics and everything I wrote just in my bedroom. It's just wild to think that about. That's pretty crazy. I, and the wildest part is like, I normally am not a very quick songwriter, but I feel like the songs that have done the best for me, so Achilles Steel and then now Sunday Crossword, are, have been written in like Everyone 20 says minutes. that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That is actually like a consistency <laughs> on this show. So if you're a songwriter, whatever one you write in five minutes, that's probably the one that people are going to love. Isn't that I, so funny? Yeah. That's what I love about TikTok too is like you get that immediate reaction. Like I, I really leaned on it early in my, and I still do obviously. I use TikTok um, and I have a, a, just the best community of people on there. Um, but it's so great to like write something and be like, I wonder how people feel about this and then just put it on there. I like just, you know, what hearing what people have said about the industry and how it's changed. Like that was impossible five years totally. ago. Totally. You know? To but let when, people, yeah. When it first went viral, were you like, mom, dad, I'm moving <laughs> to Hollywood. Like I'm ready for the big leagues. Like I can, like that is such a crazy feeling to go from, yeah. Like how did you make that decision? Like that final pivot of like no more Harvard, from Harvard to Hollywood, basically. I like, love that. That's yeah. a great name. I've never thought of that, actually. Next mixtape. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, it's so funny. I, I I love telling this story because it's just so hilarious to me. But so Achilles went viral. Again, no one in my life knew because I was Jeremiah putting Achilles oh into the world. So I had to have a conversation with my mom where and my dad that where I revealed many things. Number one, I write songs. Like, they just fully did not know. They <laughs> fully did not know that I wrote songs. Wow. Number two, I, I put a song on the internet, and it went viral. And so I'm going to put it out and, like, properly release the song. And number three, like, I'm going to take some time off. At the time, I, I had a full-time job, just, like, remotely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take some time off to really make this happen because there's something here. And it yeah. was, like, the wildest conversation I think I've had. And the fact that they were, like, learning that I was even a songwriter, like, simultaneously with all this other, like, life-changing stuff they're like hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> One at a time! But they exactly. were embracive, I'm sure. They were so lovely. I yeah. think there was a little bit, I mean, as there would be, and this is, like, where I don't fault anyone like I think there was some hesitance early on because first of all it was the pandemic second of all like no one in my family has ever been a professional musician in America like no one knows a how do you make money is this a viable option how does this work you know Mm -hmm. especially at the time I was in independent I just like had put the song out and now I'm signed to an amazing team but at the time I was like navigating this all on my own like Mm -hmm. my people record labels were in my like hastily created I am j.maya at gmail.com email like inbox yeah. you know it was very it was very overwhelming and so I think there was a little bit of hesitance early on and um, I still had had this offer from Harvard Law School conditionally waiting for me and it was just a lot of let's just see what happens um and I think finally now I've gotten to a place where there's enough proof of concept that they're so supportive and they have embraced it fully and for that I'm so grateful because I know how 
different of a path this is from what people from my community normally kind of tend to go for. And even like within the world of pop, like your kind of pop is really unique. Can you kind of, kind of explain to people like, I, they call it brainy pop. That's what your label <laughs> is calling it anyway. I they, love that. <laughs> they're, they're marketing it as brainy pop. So can you elaborate on what brainy pop is and like what you bring to pop music? Because it is unique. Of course. Oh my gosh. I I love that they call it brainy pop. Brainy I'm actually pop. just now learning that they really. Say that. I love that though. Yeah. Whoever came up with that, that's the label. Job. I thought it was pretty cute. Um, so basically, the first song that I wrote that went viral was Achilles Heel, and it was about Greek mythology. And mm-hmm. the thing was, it's not as if at the time I was writing songs just about Greek mythology. The story there is just. I grew up a mega nerd. That's all very accurate. Like, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Frizzy hair, like socially anxious, awkward girl. I honestly find that very hard to believe. So I really do. I truly do. Like, you're so cool. Like, truly. Like, been 10-year-old me is, like, freaking out right now that you said I'm cool because, like, that's all she wanted to be. But that's, like, a big part of why I'm, I want to write the music that I'm writing. Because Achilles Hill came out. I was like, I didn't even know you could write songs like this. Yeah. This is the kind of music I've been wanting to make forever, but I didn't know you could do this until there was an audience. And that's the beauty of social media. Yeah. It's like, it will connect people who want to hear something to the people who are writing it. You know, there's there doesn't need to be a middleman or a gatekeeper involved. Yep. That would normally, I think, not let music like this really reach oh, any yeah. ears. So... When Achilles Hill came out, I was like, okay, well, what if I just keep writing songs like this that are for people like me, mega nerds who grew up reading a lot, who like head in a book kind of people. Mm-hmm. And I started writing song after song and song after song. I was like, wow, this is really reaching people, yeah. right? Like who would have thought? And for me, it was so special because th- like that's the kind of music, if I was 12 years old listening to music, that's the kind of music that would have made me feel seen. And actually like spoke to you. Yeah. Which is so special. It's like the greatest thing as an artist to know that the music that you're putting out in the world is the kind of music that like the younger version of you would have needed, you know? Totally. So it was like such, it was so special when I started writing these songs. And then um, I was like, well, I love, this is very niche. Like I love this. I love this community that we're building. How can we bring this music to a slightly bigger audience? So I thought, you know, what's something that I think is both really relatable, but also brainy, brainy pop. And I love crossword puzzles. I love wordplay and puns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wrote a song with this amazing creator named Andrew Tafano called Sunday Crossword, which uses the structure of a crossword puzzle to talk about having a crush on someone and like not knowing. Like, having... That's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so cool. That's so unique. Thank I you love that. so much. Yeah. And that song has really changed a lot for me and I'm really grateful for it because I think a lot more people than one might think like Brainy Pop. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of crossword and wordplay fans out there I'm learning and Absolutely. it's just like it's been so great and I feel like what the coolest part of this whole process is as an independent artist like I've never had to sacrifice an ounce of authenticity like this is the music when I'm alone in my bedroom that I'm writing you know yeah. I don't feel like I have to write at something to make someone happy and like that's what's so special for me and, and living in this age of the social media era right like I can prove to people that there is an audience for this kind of music without yeah, numbers having... numbers don't lie. <laughs> you know? I'm grateful even one person listens to my music. So, But it's been so special to see that, like, to continuously ha- even have my own expectations um, broken about, like, yeah. how many people there are who would appreciate this kind of music, you know? That's so cool. And 
guys, I'm going to put her to the test. We're going to see <laughs> this brain power she's got here and play a little game. Are you I'm down? I'm so down. Yeah. Let's do it. Love is my kiss. Piece of paper. Yes. That was beautiful. The, that, yeah, that was a gorgeous intro. I don't know if you guys remember, but back in the early 2000s, there was a game show called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Hosted by Jeff Foxworthy. Was that yes. his name? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff Foxworthy. And That's amazing that and, you remember that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like re watching it recently. That's like the only reason why it's fresh in my mind because I'm like trying to get into my, you know, my, my own Jeff Foxworthy. Um, but today we will be playing Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And basically, if you've never watched the show, an adult comes and plays against an actual fifth grader. And they're quizzed on questions that kids in elementary school learn every day. So to kids, it's apparently like common sense. But if you're like a fucking numbskull like me, they seem really hard. Like I was writing down these questions and I was like, every single fifth grader on earth is smarter than me. <laughs> and I am an educated person with like a college degree. And I found these really hard. So if you get these wrong, it is no knock on your intelligence. <laughs> these are freaking hard. But I'm very like, nervous. I, mean, I do want to put your your Harvard brainy pop brain to the test. We will see. So we choose. will see. So you could just give it a little spin. Okay. And we have like different questions for each category. Let's see which one we go. Social, Social studies. studies. Okay. What a way to start. All right. In which war was the Battle of Gettysburg fought? Oh my God. Um, the American Revolutionary War. Oh, you're so close. Is it? I don't know. Oh, no. This is going to make me look really dumb. I think they're different. The Civil War? Oh, my God. No, you're right. Are they different? They are different. They're different. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Off to a great start. It was before our time. Yes, you know? exactly. That's, that's yeah. Some, some people fought some wars. And that's okay. Fifth grade has got us on that Redemption. One. Redemption. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Okay. One more social there studies. There is another social studies. Okay. Let's see. Which one was it? Oh, this one's hard. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I, I need redemption. This one was hard. I, I didn't know redemption. this one. If you know it, I'll be very impressed. Can you name the only state in America that grows coffee? Think outside the box. Hawaii? Yes. Yes. Redemption. I didn't redemption. know that. <laughs> I had no idea that Hawaii grew coffee. Because I think Kona coffee is something I see. Yes. So I'm assuming, yeah. Okay. You're right. You got him. Okay, one one. Let's keep try. It going. Keep the keep it going. This is no. Oh my god, no. Actually, I don't have. Okay, any okay, good. We'll keep good. It moving. Math. Oh. oh my gosh, math. <laughs> okay, honestly, didn't know this one either. No shame. How many sides does a heptagon have? Oh my god, is it? No, hep. Okay, it took me a second. Sounds like a dinosaur. Yeah, name. that's not like a real word. Oh See, that's the thing. It's like so much of the oh, stuff. Oh, why? Why am I so bad at spinning? You learn in school. 
is, is not very useful. But you know what? We have one more math. What is the smallest prime number? Oh, um... Wait, oh my god! I know, I'm like, what is a prime number? <laughs> prime number... No, I totally... Three, one, two. Two! It was two. We're I gonna... I don't know what a prime number is, if it makes you feel better. No, I think that makes... It does make sense that it's... This is you. Two. This is your wheelhouse. English. English. We are tied. Okay. Um, who wrote the first book, The Little Mermaid? Like, the first version Hans Christian Andersen. Money. Money. She's on a roll. She's on a roll. Literally. It's rolling. Oh, no. Okay. Oh gonna, do we not have one? another math one? I Oh, I actually do. Oh. oh, but it's actually, no, it's more of a word problem. Okay, that's totally fine. What's okay. the 10? <laughs> if a train is supposed to reach the station at 4.10 a.m., but it's 35 minutes late, when will the train reach the station? This is kind of hard. Like, I would need to, like, write it out and show my work, but... It's meant to arrive at 4.10. 4.10, but it's 35 minutes late. Late. 4.45? Yeah. Oh, yay! Like, it seems like a trick question, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, I definitely thought for a second. Problems. Like, it's truly just like 10 plus 35, but the way they worded it, they're like, the train is late, but she dropped her bag, and if she dropped her bag and she had to run 30, like... It does remind me of something I would break why? out into a cold sweat over in fifth grade. Why do you do that to us? <laughs> Okay, let's keep it going. You're winning. Like, we're putting these fifth graders yes, to shame. No! Oh, okay. I don't have any more Let's just pretend it's English. English. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What does the word thine mean? Your. Yes. <sighs> to thine. Shakespeare. To thine which Shakespeare. Be true, to thine or, which Or whatever. Be true. I don't know. Whatever. I love that. That's very sonnety. Okay. I have, like, two more science. Let's just pretend I did yeah, science. Yeah, science. Okay. Um... Okay, in which galaxy is the Earth located? Oh my God, the ga- the Milky Way. Yes. Okay, yeah, yes. that's what I thought. Okay, yes. great, great, I didn't great. know. To be honest, I didn't know. I got science again, by the way. Okay, which is the rarest blood type? Oh, I totally know this. This is a tough one. It's like O O negative. A B negative. Oh, I had no. That's so wild. Okay, I did not know that. A B negative. I had no clue. I had literally no clue. I'm Um, good with fifty fifty. I think you. Yeah, I think you killed it. I'm smarter than a fifth grader. If anyone at home is not getting, absolutely smarter than a fifth grader. But you know what? There is something that you could do to like settle the score and win, guys. Did you know that she was a world pun champion? First of all, can you even explain what the pun circuit is and like what it means to be a pun champion? Of course. Because that's like the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Very unintuitive or pun intuitive, one could say. There there she goes. There she Um, goes. Basically, it is a round robin style competition where two contestants face off um, at a time and they give you a word and you have to come up with a pun on the subject within five seconds. You go back and forth until one person can't make a pun on the subject anymore wow. or they make an illegal pun. What is an illegal pun? It's something that is definitely not a pun. And there are a ton of rules about what actually constitutes a pun. Oh, wow. I know. Very, very in depth. <laughs> so what was like your award-winning pun? Do you remember? Because oh like I wanna, gosh. I wanna see you in action, but I don't know how to deliver like a pun of to you. Of course. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, there basically they uh, they take into account all the puns you made in the round. But one pun that people liked that I remember, the topic was 
death in literature. Okay. And I said, I stabbed someone with a pair of sewing needles because that's the Ernest Hemingway. You should go into rap. Oh my gosh, people, I made a TikTok about this. You should seriously go into rap. Like, that's a bar. Like, that's not you even know a pun right there. If you so, put a beat on that? It would be the would. nerdiest rap I think anyone... Brady rap. That's the next frontier. I'm totally yeah, kidding. Yeah. The final frontier. <laughs> um, Logic commented on a TikTok that I made about the pun competition yeah. and was like, bars. And I was like, I... You are actually an amazing rapper. Yeah. But no, I, I think I would, I would fumble... On, you would fumble the bag. Pump, yes, that, <laughs> that. I would do that. I would be so, like... I think if I ever tried to freestyle, it would be so, like nervous and apprehensive that it would just not be cool i would be like and I'm, then i did this and this and then dude but it definitely seems like with your musical background <laughs> and like you're quick i feel like you'd probably surprise yourself <gasps> maybe one day you should just like drop a freestyle and like shock the world should we do one together oh my god i'm down okay i'm not as gonna be as quick as you but i'll try we'll trade bars this is gonna be horrible oh my god <laughs> literally the pun champion but i'll try oh god setting the bar high for the bars okay how do Am i, I right? go yeah um okay sitting here in front of a plant oh yeah maybe we'll see a crawling ant Ooh. if i try to mess up i can't no, I won't mess up. I shan't. I love that. I can't. I, I love that. Wore a skirt today, but no pants. We can't say plant, right? No. Oh. Honestly, that was great. We got further. Chant, can't, pant, land. Then I thought I Ant would. is a hard one. Yeah. And you got, that was, that was primo. I mean, we can't all be pun champions, guys. <laughs> like, there can only be one. There can only be pun. And the topic will be hair. Uh, when I go outside in tight-fitting pants, people compliment me on my buns. Yeah, I think they say, damn, curl. You know, it was sheer luck that they did it. If I don't cover this part of my body under the sun, my side burns. For real? Yeah. She, just, she just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> no, but now you've moved on from the pun life and you're full pop star. Thank you got an EP coming out. I do. Like any day now, right? Yes, December 2nd. I'm so excited. It's called Poetic License. It's a collection of songs that I think accurately kind of portray this season of my life. Basically, I wanted with my first body of work to tell the story of how I got here. I think that's a story that I don't touch on as much as I want to, yeah. um, but for the, for the amazing community of listeners, I wanted them, I wanted to give them a little, I wanted to tell them the, the story that I hold really close to my heart, which is how I was able to find music and find them and kind of live out this wild dream. Um, and I call, I'm calling it Poetic License because 
I think about this period of my life as me finally starting to take poetic license with like the story of my own life. Yeah. Um, I talk about that in my song Library Card. I, you know, I'm struggling to find my way to the next chapter and I finally feel like I'm actually here and I've arrived at the next chapter. So um, I'm just really excited to put that body of work out into the world and for people to hear it. And it's very nerve wracking and I'm going to definitely you know, cry and I was going to say, what are you going to do year? on December 2nd? Like, are you going to have any kind of release party or are you just going to like close your eyes and be like, I hope people love it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I have this amazing tradition that I've done for every single song actually that I've released up until now, um, which is exactly at 9 p.m. PST on the Thursday that the song releases. I go live and we have a little live release party. So I'm definitely going to do that for this EP, even though there'll be way more songs to yeah. listen to than just one. But also, um, four days after the EP releases, I'm doing my first ever live show at the Moroccan Lounge. So I'm thinking of that as like kind of like a first, you know, live show, but also an EP release party. We'll definitely to be talking a lot about the project and, and dancing, hopefully, to some yeah. of the songs. I'm so excited. Listen. I've put a lot of thought into all the songs being in a certain order. I think I've also done something a little... Um, interesting with this first project, which is I've been very selective about the songs that have already been released that are going to be on the project for no other reason than I want to serve the story as well as I can. And I've only picked songs that I think really tell that story. Mm -hmm. So I, I think of this as a concept EP and my first album, which is on the line, I definitely want to be a full concept album. Yeah. So that's something you can definitely expect as well when you listen to it. Super cool. Do you have like a personal favorite off the EP? Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, oh my gosh, okay. I'm going to be horrible and give you two. <laughs> yeah, favorites are hard. Favorites are hard. Yeah. I think in terms of songwriting, like the, the song that I feel the proudest of writing is a song called Prophecies. Um, I wrote that song about my parents who came to America um, when they were very young mm -hmm. and were able to build a life for themselves while raising me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first few lines of the song's of the song are, um, when you were my age, you gave up your world, already married, raising a girl. And it's been me reflecting on this last year of my life, which happens to be the year that my mom was when she had me. Isn't that like a wild? <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> go down that. I was like, wow, like if I had a whole child right now, uh, no. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think that's such a relatable experience for people yeah. of our generation. And I wanted to write a song where I kind of captured those feelings. I'm calling it prophecies because in the song I reference a lot of like the prophecies or the dreams that my parents had when they came to America and how they've tried to pass them on to me and what it means to be the recipient of those dreams and how to deal with that. Because with a lot of that responsibility comes pressure. Oh, for sure. But I think that's like every probably immigrant's parents dream like my kid's gonna go to harvard one day but like you actually did it or like my kid's gonna be fake like you're really like probably exceeding oh, i'm sure any dream that they you. have for you that yeah. means the world no, to hear seriously. you say that my parents are great they just want me to be happy yeah. i think that's the biggest dream that they had is just to give their kids a better life than the one that they had which yeah. is i think something I, I know that is relatable to a lot of families um especially families that immigrate here so I hope that that song is relatable um I played it for my parents it was a very emotional moment honestly for all of us to hear it and I think that's why it's such a special one for me on the project with this project I really challenged myself to be vulnerable I think that's something it's taken a while for me to do because again the the stark contrast between writing songs in a basement practice room alone for myself to sharing them with the world has been very interesting for me to navigate and yeah. I'm finally I think at a place where you know I've always been vulnerable with my music but I think I've 
sectioned off parts of my life and I'm like, okay, well, not that yet. I'm not ready to talk about that yet with my music and with this project, like there are no, there's nothing that I'm holding back. And it's really great to be at a place in my artist career where I'm like, you know, I feel, I feel good putting this out into the world, these parts of my brain and hurt that are so vulnerable to me. So that song is one I'm really proud of. And then another song is called Rome. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked about this one yet, so. Ooh, exclusive. Exclusive, yes. <laughs> um, Rome is a song I wrote after um, a fan damned me saying that my music had helped them through a really difficult part of their life. It made me think about the role that music has played in my life and how when I've been at my lowest moments, the artists that I love and the songs that I love have really been there to like comfort me. So I wanted one song in the project that was all about hope. That was like my mission when I set out to write it was to write a song that is about the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, And so I don't want to give too much away about Rome, but um, I will say that it ends the project very intentionally. Like from the beginning, since I wrote it, I was like, this needs to be the final part of the project because with every, you know, down in life with every low moment there I really truly believe that there's always hope and that's been a big part of my story is like clinging on to hope and to dreams that I thought were long gone or long dead and me being here as an artist I think is the very manifestation of the fact that I really never gave up on that pipe dream so I wanted to express that in my project as well oh that's so special and that's so cool that like you are so connected to your fans and like are kind of like showing that in like a real like visceral way that they'll be able to like hear and feel you know it means the world it's so cool thank you that song is so for my listeners like I wrote that song with them in mind when I put that song it's really for them I wanted it to feel like a hug because that's what I feel as an artist sometimes I can't I, I'm however much I want to and it literally keeps me up at night that I can't respond to every DM and I can't respond to every comment and kind word because for all the negativity that's on social media there's this overwhelming positivity that I've yeah. been so gracious or grateful excuse me to experience I have the best audience in the world they get me through my hard days and I wanted to write a song that felt like a hug because like I want to hug all of them so I want this oh to my feel gosh, like I want to hug you oh. like thank you so much for coming and like being so like honest and I'm just really excited for you and thank for everything you. you have coming up so we have the EP December 2nd the show in LA is when December 6th December 6th Yay. And where can they keep up with you on social media? Like, of course. To watch it all unfold. Oh my gosh. I'm at J Maya Music on all platforms J Maya on YouTube and J Maya on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, all the fun streaming platforms. And TikTok and Instagram are where you can really see me get in front of the camera and talk about what's going on with the music but yeah. um but the music is available everywhere yes guys go check her out and thank you so much for joining us that was awesome thank you so much you did great oh thank you that was amazing